Listening to the Order 66 podcast, brought to you by Gamer Nation Studios, D20 Radio, and the generous donations of Jared Williams, Kevin Malone, Donald Weller, Sean Kumar, Darren Hampton, Andy Bethel, B. Witzel, and Balaam's Blasters. What is up, Gamer Nation? GM Chris here, and welcome to the Order 66 podcast, the original podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars role-playing. And I am joined today by a man who is a man. A, a, a man of men who does men things, such as miniatures and Monopoly and mighty morphing meritorious... I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at alliteration. Momentums. Yes. yes, thank you. Thank you. GM Phil, how are you, sir? I I am good. And yes, I, I am having a, a crafty weekend. Uh, my 3D printer is happily buzzing along. My minis have paint on them. And it and uh, I, I, I'm here to do a show. And it's going to be fun. <laughs> it is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot has happened since we had our last show. Like... Uh, Gen Con. In, in many ways. Yeah. Yes, in many ways, which we'll talk about. Um, but we had this whole thing called Gen Con. It was really cool. Did, did. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of eager to talk about that. You just kind of want to get into it? Yeah, um, sure. Uh, as, as par for the course for the last couple of years, I got to go and um, uh, work for Fantasy Flight Games and run uh, games there and it was especially great because the game I got to run was the module that I wrote for Genesis. So that was a good blast. That was a good time. Always fun to like, you know, be there and, and, and run the module and see that it actually works. So that was a blast. <laughs> yes, it does. It, it, it is. It is nice when that happens. Um, but, uh, but I, I guess the big announcement was the fact that we can finally talk about this live and with everybody else is the launch of the Genesis foundry. Yeah. Little neat little open game license that Fantasy Flight Games finally put forward and allows us to do for Genesis and all of us folks who have been writing stuff kind of privately or sharing it, you know, on the on the website on the various websites, we can now like do it for 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 like pay and money. Yes, we can. And um this led to the creation of a new podcast on the D20 Radio Network, and it led to some very interesting stuff that's now available in the Foundry, which we will come to specifically when we get to our announcement section. But I was um, pretty um, – I was, I was upset I couldn't be there for the con. I was, I was on vacation, unfortunately, um, down in the, uh, the wilds of the Gulf and um, doing everything via my phone. It was really weird and cool at the same time. So, yeah, 
But it was it was awesome. And I so should we formalize this? Should we just get into announcements proper? Let's do it up. Done. Hello there. What have we here? Good news. All right, what do we got? Well, let's start off with the featured podcast of the week. Let's start with a brand new show for the D20 Radio Network, the Shared Sagas Podcast. This is an actual play RPG podcast and is crewed by a fantastic group of Australians who are fun, funny, and a riot to listen to. They do actual play of one-shots and ongoing campaigns, and right now they're in the midst of a 5th edition D&D campaign running through of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, a classic D&D tale. It's a great show, which we're proud to welcome to the network, so go check it out. You can find this and many more great podcasts at www.d20radio.com. Oh, yes. And FFG News, big stuff. Um, uh, outside of uh, uh, the Gen Con stuff we'll be talking about. Um, gadgets and gear, man. It's mm-hmm. al- it's almost here. And uh, since it's been officially announced, you can talk about that, right? Yes, I can. Because you worked on that book, right? I did. I did. That was my second project for Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, so this is the, the, the newest supplement for Star Wars, it, Gadgets and Gear. It's almost here. It, it's, it's coming out this quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and it's basically... It'll be out soon. All, all, all signs point to it coming out soon. Very soon. Very soon. And, you know, this is basically this mega collection of, of weapons, armor, attachments, and gear from, from all three game lines. But it also adds a whole slew of these new pieces of equipment, um, including, I love this, uh, uh, weapons and armor used by iconic uh, Star Wars characters, uh, heroes, and villains, both. Yep. Um, so, yeah, man. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I know, I know you probably can't tell us anything you worked on because it hasn't been announced and the product's obviously not out yet. But um, once it is, obviously we're going to do an episode on it, and um, that'll be kind of weird. We have like two books slated up, actually, that we need to have you on to actually be a guest to talk about the book for, Phil. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're trying to line up Huck for uh, Allies and Adversaries because he was my uh, he was my boss for that. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically enough, this book was um, um, Alexis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one she you just interviewed her for, for the yeah, forge. Alexis Dykema? Yeah. Yes, Alexis. She was my uh, she was my uh, lead dev on this book, so I can get her on this show. <laughs> we'll look forward to that. Um, but yeah, there was this recent article that came up um, uh, called Gear Up uh, recently, um, oh. and it highlighted uh, the stat block specifically for Han's famous DL44, uh, mm. Chewie's bowcaster, uh, Kira's uh, uh, Monlitzer uh, S195. Um, it also previewed the stats for the devastating and toll-taking Blast Knuckles, um, which are truly wonderful. Um, uh, the memory-modifying HIC Mercy Grenade and the massive and illegal uh, Mark II Steel Skin Anti-Concussive Armor, um, which were a lot of fun. And it's coming soon! I can't wait! I love, I love gear guides like this. And I can say this, of the things they have announced, I've worked on none of them. <laughs> I can at least say that. You can, you can at least say that. Okay, well that's good. That's good. So, everything they've announced, I didn't touch it. <laughs> so we have this. We have that upcoming product. Everyone's excited about that. But all the FFG love for narrative dice 
has kind of been uh, focused in other places lately, yes? Oh, oh, it has. It has. Um, we're talking about Genesis and the Foundry. Uh, most Fantasy Flight games, Star Wars, RPG fans are also fans of the Genesis RPG system, the generic art system that uses the core narrative dice mechanic that was introduced in Star Wars. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games has released supplements for Genesis for Terranoth and Android, but Gen saw the announcement and launch of some pretty major things. Uh, in development for release in quarter four later this year is a both an expanded player's guide and also a GM screen. Um, they had a mock-up of the GM screen at Gen Con. It is full of so much useful stuff, like all the generic tables that you'd absolutely want the, the uh, thing to have. Well, just about all of them. Uh, they're there. Uh, none of them are setting specific. They're all stuff like what to spend advantage on and what to spend like all the other die roll results on in combat, in social combat, critical hit tables, you know, all, all, all that good stuff. So all those charts that you're naturally wanting to flip through the book for in play, they're all right there on the screen for you. Uh, in development, uh, and also they announced the development and release next year of their next setting book, Keyforge. The kind of out of the out of left field, not really anybody saw this coming, but a few people like theorized and were shot down on the internet webs year uh, like earlier this year. But yeah, it's Keyforge. They they did a, a setting for, for their hot new uh, collectible card game. Hot hot would be an understatement. It would be an understatement. The Keyforge is flipping everywhere it, it's it's making them so much freaking money honestly this is not surprising to me at all <laughs> richard garfield baby yeah uh but most importantly especially most importantly to you and i chris um ffg announced and launched the genesis foundry on drivethroughrpg.com uh the foundry is a dm's guild style home for fan generated and fan published content that utilizes the genesis system and in fact, both Chris and I were part of the team that introduced uh, launch products for the Foundry. Uh, Chris, you uh, did a formal release of your wonderful familiar setting. Yes, yes. And uh, with a few, with a few, with a few so updates as, and changes. So what's it? True, true. I mean, you got some pretty solid playtesting out of it from from Gamer Nation Con this year. Yeah. Uh, and I went and started my own company. <laughs> yes, you did. So, uh, so myself, uh, my friends Brett and Kimber Bowen, Alex and Beth Foot, uh, wrote up and formally released Starkana under Studio Four Hundred Four Games. Uh, the, we have our one hundred and fifteen setting core uh, core setting guide and our uh, first adventure, which is also an introduction to Starkana. Uh, everything new is old. Which those of you who were at Gamer Nation Con this year and got a chance to play—that's um, that's the adventure. Yes, and uh, it, it's fantastic. And um, we got a chance in a different podcast to actually talk to you um, and Kimber Bowen about it. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll we'll talk about that more heavily. But yeah, it, it's been it's been it's been interesting. It's been a lot of fun um, seeing this stuff published. And if you guys, um, fans of the Order sixty six podcast, are interested to see the work we've done, obviously you can head to drivethroughrpg.com. Um, you can do a search for Starkana, which is obviously uh, Studio 404, the company that Phil uh, started with the rest of the New England crew, um, <laughs> and uh, find Starkana. And if you're interested in my 
weird insanity um, and you didn't happen to pledge for the alpha copy that was available as Kickstarter rewards for GamerNationCon 6, um, you will find uh, my setting familiar where the, uh, the PCs get the opportunity to play as animals. Familiar animals, specifically. So, yeah, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. Um, but also, uh, in conjunction with this, uh, yeah. we, we have another podcast on the network as well. We do. We do. Um, uh, yeah. You and Hooli went and started up a, started up a, a podcast dedicated to the foundry called The Forge. Yes. Yes. Brilliant um, name, by the way. I am. Um, and there's, oh man, there's so many Forge and Foundry puns all throughout. It's, it's, it's punalicious. Um, but yeah, it's uh, dedicated to obviously the Foundry content and, uh, but also just creating. It, it just, it's devoted to creating things in Genesis. Sure, sure. Um, I and, mean, you don't have to necessarily be making something for the Foundry to get mileage out of anything you're talking about. Correct, correct. And, and that's really, that's really what it comes down to. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've got three episodes out so far. Um, and so far we, we had Sam Stewart come on for episode one. Um, we had Tim Huckleberry come on for episode two and, uh, the aforementioned Alexis Dykema come on uh, for episode three, which is all about playtesting. Um, nice. but the most fun of it has been the interviews we've had with creators. Uh, we've had obviously you and Kimber come on. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we had Keith Cappell come on, uh, to yes. talk about his setting as well. Um, and just recently had Darren West. Yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. So, woo, woo, woo cross pollination. It's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, all in all, um, you know, as uh, as as things move forward, uh, it, it's it's a brave, big, big, beautiful new world. Um, and when it comes to anything Star Wars related or Genesis related, as we've talked about, um, you guys of course can learn more about all these developments over at FantasyFlightGames.com. So, also, since we've had our last show, there was this little thing called D23. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and we would be remiss if we did not spend just a couple minutes uh, really just geeking out over some Star Wars news. Um, <clears throat> totally. totally. <laughs> so, dude, uh, we had a new trailer, he says in air quotes, um, yeah. for episode nine uh, at D23. Uh, thoughts? Um, the fans hate it. <laughs> well, let me phrase, let me phrase, let me phrase. Half the fans hate it. The half I do not give an F about. Yeah, but I can't tell which half it is yet that hate it. That's the thing. When the film, when the film comes out, the only thing I know for certain is that half the fan base will love it and half the fan base will hate it. True. Can't tell who those are. Who those are yet? You know, it's it's true, it's, it's, it's there. Um, it's Star Wars on a screen, so I'm gonna absolutely freaking love it. But I don't know. Like we like we saw we 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 had a nice little nostalgia heartstring pluck at the very beginning. We watched it yep. and um and then it ended with it had some cool new shots and then it ended with Dark Ray, um mm -hmm. and of course Buzzfeed and every other freaking you know oh is you gonna go to die guys? It's a Force Vision. I think I posted it's, about this. It's her. It's her Dagobah cave moment. It's 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 her Dagobah cave moment, guys. Come on, come on. You've all seen Star Wars. Come on. <laughs> um, but honestly, the other exciting thing to come out of D twenty three that we absolutely have to talk about. Yes, that would be the trailer for the Mandalorian. Oh, 
Sweet mother of God. If I wasn't already going to be getting D20, uh, D, uh, not D23, Disney Plus for, for like the Clone Wars cartoon and just, just all the stuff that they're going to put, like uh, Resistance uh, 2 is going to be, uh, Season 2 is going to be on there. Um, yeah, I would get it just for The Mandalorian. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I, I was, the, the, the look and the feel um, is just absolutely amazing. And the cast, oh my God, the cast. Uh, uh, seeing Carl Weathers up there, oh my God, man. Gonna be good. Uh, uh, and, and Gina Carano. Um, oh God, and I, I don't know. I, I know obviously Pedro Pascal, but you never see his face. Um, and listen, I, this is a complicated thing for me, Phil, because you know how I feel about Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Take 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 this. Um, take this with you, though. Um, it's not Karen Travis. That's the thing. This is this is how I've justified it to myself. I don't have a problem with Mandalorians. I have a problem with Karen Travis. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and I actually don't have a problem with Karen Travis. I think she's a brilliant writer. She's actually a very evocative wordsmith. Um, her writing is fantastic. Um, it's just the storytelling. I yeah yeah. The 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 choices she made, the creative choices she made are not ones I necessarily agree with. Well, this one time. So one time a Mandalorian killed two Jedi by pointing his finger at him and shouting bang. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The sad thing is, is we're not that far off. <laughs> oh, brother. But I'm excited. Uh, and, and I caught, I caught the bootleg of the, the, the clip that was shown, um, obviously at Star Wars Celebration. Same. Uh, which showed even more, and uh, uh, dude, I'm just, I'm absolutely dude. The, the the teaser at celebration didn't have IG88 being all badass. No, it didn't. If it, my God, if, if it's IG88, true, true, it could be just an IG. The it, model. It, it it does, or or one of his many spinoffs of himself. The the rumor mill is that it's IG11, I think. Um. Oh. So either way, I don't care. It's an IG droid that's kicking butt and taking names. It, it, it's it's there to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and it can't chew bubble gum because it doesn't have a mouth. Therefore, all it can do is kick ass. All it can do is kick ass. That's all it can do, and it does it, and it's gonna be epic, and I can't wait. Um, <laughs> so it's good stuff. But we um we've been talking a lot about this um actually on our social media, haven't we? Yes, and folks can, in fact, stay in the know and by following us on the Facebooks for news and podcast info on a daily basis or for rambling discussions such as these. Uh, toss us a like to the Order 66 podcast Facebook page and join the D20 Radio group uh, over on Facebook. And you can follow the GMs on Twitter at D20 Radio. We post and tweet show info and announcements regularly. Mm-hmm. Such as the announcement of tonight's meat topic, which is uh, something I would very much like to get into, if you would. I think that would be a grand idea, my good brother. <laughs> okay, do we have a titular... Tentative, tentative topic for tonight's titular heat. 
Uh, Tonight's topic is quite simply best described as brothers in arms. Ah. Ultimately, the visage of the Imperial Stormtrooper in their gleaming white armor, stared at by a a, a child in a movie theater. It brings thoughts of, of fear, oppression to the galaxy. But when you juxtapose that with the sight of a company of shiny white clone troopers, well, that vision is one of hope and salvation. Jedi Knights might be flashy, they might be powerful with their lightsabers and their impressive force powers at beck and call, but it was the role of millions of clone troopers in the Grand Army of the Republic to fight against the seemingly infinite Separatist droid army. Now, with the release of the most two recent content books, FFG has finally given us all the rules and material to play a true Clone Wars campaign, and take on the role of these formidable troopers. Now, while they're all clones of Jango Fett and they look alike on the surface, the similarity between them stops there. There are hundreds of different ways to play a clone trooper, and we are going to talk tonight about what it takes to harness these powerful options in your games and make a party that may be genetically identical, but vastly and uniquely different. So, don your Phase 1 battle armor, charge up your DC-15s, and form up shoulder-to-shoulder with your brothers as we dive into the Clone Trooper PCs tonight on your Order 66 podcast. So, playing a Clone Trooper. First, it starts with a Kiwi accent. I, actually, I hope that that phrase isn't necessarily racist. If it is, I do apologize my ignorance. Yeah, and, and your plus your Kiwi accent is just terrible. <laughs> uh, Gets the point across. It does. So Phil, don't see Bradley Baker, my friends. <laughs> so Phil he does Tamora Morrison better than Tamora Morrison. Yeah, he does Tamora Morrison better than Tamora Morrison. That's Tamora Morrison. Um, clone troopers are something that personally is very close topic to your heart. It is. It is. Um, uh, uh, the five hundred first clone, the ones who storm the the Jedi Temple in Revenge of the Sith. That was my first costume in the 501st back in 2006. Uh, Since then, when they released the first season of The Clone Wars and introduced a character named Commander Phil, uh, I I had to to do that costume. And and I've been portraying Commander Phil at least a couple times a year ever since 2011. Um, I ran a Clone Wars-themed game where three of the PCs were clones. It was actually called Brothers in Arms. Um, and, and I'm just a big fan of the clone troopers. I, I'm a solid diehard clone supporter and, uh, and I'm excited to see them introduced and, uh, get a good look at how they, how they work and they play. So we thought it would be a great time to highlight the clone troopers and talk about what you can do with them and how you can focus games with them and, or completely on them. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot to do with them. There was a lot, um, a lot. Uh, potentially. I mean, and like, as we said before, well, look, while every every clone might be a copy, air quotes, of their progenitor Jango Fett, um, yep. each clone is a unique individual, and players often want to 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 build and play their own take um, on you know uh, on these soldiers and 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 take the field against the droid army of the Confederacy. Um, I mean, individually, these heroes are capable soldiers. And as a group, at least from the films and the comics and the cartoons, they, they tend to form these 
lethal squads able to take on entire platoons of droids uh, single-handedly. We see that again and again and again. Um, yep. And so this is really setting the stage. But as we're talking about setting the stage, man, I mean, what? Let's 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 get into the reading list here. What are we what are we talking about from a game standpoint? Sure, uh, we're going to be diving into two books tonight. While we could also include Dawn of Rebellion and the inclusion of the retired clone trooper specialization, that's kind of takes us out of the focus of the two books that we want to highlight uh, that and that highlight the clone trooper at their prime during the Clone Wars. Uh, the first one being Rise of the Separatists. Mm -hmm. It's the first book and the one we reviewed last episode. Mm -hmm. This book takes care of the start of the Clone Wars, when all the clones were still shiny and new. Mm -hmm. The book introduces to a ton of material for playing the clone trooper. It first introduced us to the clone species and the clone soldier career with three core specs that we saw in the uh, film Attack of the Clones. The officer, the pilot, and the basic trooper. Yes. Also introduces us to phase one clone equipment. And a bunch of other, like, you know, the ATTE Walker and the Lottie gunship and all, you know, the, the classic Clone Wars early, early in the war equipment. Yeah. Uh, the general attitude and feeling about this book is that the battles against the Separatists are still new ventures for the Grand Army of the Republic. And many clones are have to adapt their ingrained trading to the harsh and chaotic real realities of war. Uh, initially, these clone soldiers bore markings in accordance with their rank or position, but as the months trudged on, commanders allowed their troops to decorate their armor with unique coloring patterns. Uh, this is so that's the first book. Yeah, and, and this is interesting to me because that alone was a distinctive design choice that we see in Star Wars that really highlights what we were talking about earlier, how you have these genetically individual or identical individuals that are still incredibly unique and, and that's seen from i think honestly the, it was highlighted very strongly in the very first episode of the clone wars actually oh yeah oh yeah uh and that's kind of where we saw it i mean yes there are still plenty of clones who are just average go average folks in their all white pristine armor uh but it seemed to be that commanders had their own uh purview to allow soldiers to bear their own markings Tattoos, hairstyles, um, huge. Yeah, right. Didn't, huge. It didn't just start with the armor. Mm -hmm. Stop with the armor, I mean. Yeah, uh, it was absolutely huge. And But it seems like those differences got even stronger as the war went on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So as the war went on, that brings us to the second book in the, in the pair, The Collapse of the Republic. Mm -hmm. uh, this takes the Clone Wars to its end. The clones are either grizzled veterans who have seen a lot of combat, or they're fresh replacements for those lost in battle thrust into a grueling, grinding war. They've trudged on for years, and tens of thousands of clone brothers have fallen in combat. And those who survive have done so because of the tricks and tactics they've learned fighting the clankers, or because they've relied on their brothers to carry them through the day. Yeah. Now, because these two books are designed to be uh, separate but together, uh, this book also introduces the clone species and reprints the basic clone career, mm -hmm. but introduces us to three brand new specializations, the ARC Trooper, the Clone Commander, and the Clone Veteran. They also introduce us to the Phase 2 uh, clone equipment, where additional weapons, uh, equipment, and vehicles have been added to the Grand Army's arsenal. Mm -hmm. In response to the increased threats that have come out of the Confederacy. 
Yeah. And <clears throat> that dichotomy is there. It is unusual that they reprinted the, the, the species stat block specifically, but again, you kind of got to, because the point is you want to be able to grab one book and go, right? And, yep. And for those of us who are crunched on cash and we can only really afford one book, and you're like, oh, I want to play a late Clone Wars game? Okay, well, here's the book for you. Here's everything you need to do it. Um, let's talk about... I kind of look at it this way. I, mm -hmm. I see it as... Do you want to play a game where you're 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 playing the Clone Wars? And if you're playing a Clone Wars game, you want Rise of the Separatists. Yes, that's where you want to start. You want to start the beginning and then go. Uh, if you want to play a game that kind of focuses on the fall of the Republic, Order sixty six, what comes after? You get collapse of the Republic. Yes, um, and that's that's you, the huge hard distinction. You can play a Rise of Separatists game for years. Literally. Um, and and only towards, like, you know, after a year or two, maybe the GM wants to transition over to phase two. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, you, whatever kind of game you're going for, have that be the basis of, on which book you, you settle in with. But you're going to want the other book anyway. Mm -hmm. You're going to want them. So let's start by talking as we, we talk about playing a clone trooper. Um, or clone soldier specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, let's start with that one shared thing between the two books, which is of course the species. Let's talk about the clone itself because this is really uh, one of those defining things. And whether you're playing a clone soldier in a, in a, a larger party of of non clones, or you've got that awesome game going on where everyone is a clone, um, <laughs> you know, let the, the clone species itself. I mean, it's obviously, I mean, it's human, of course, because Jango Fed's human. Uh, has, yeah. It has human characteristics, but tougher um, and more focused on their free skill choices, uh, specifically knowledge, warfare, resilience, um, which is obviously perfect for their training on Camino. Um, right. And, of course, a free rank in the physical training talent. Um, and that's really what separates the, the clone as a species from your vanilla baseline humans. But, I mean, could you could you build a clone as a human if you wish to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it. Their, their starting characteristics are the same. Mm -hmm. uh, their wound and strain thresholds are one point lower, but they've got a lot more freedom of choice as far as what they can spend those extra two uh, free ranks on. Um, you might want to play your clone starting out as a base human if you wanted to have more specialized training. Like if you wanted your clone to be like trained in slicing or as an engineer or even morale and public relations. Take mm -hmm. a clone who's got a rank in charm, a rank in deception, negotiation, um, knowledge outer rim, mm -hmm. knowledge core worlds. You know, some other realm of focus. If you want to do that, absolutely roll them up as a human. You don't get those skills as career skills, but you get a free rank in them. Exactly. And there's nothing stopping you from doing that. That's I think that's kind of the key point. One of the, one of the first key points we want to take away from here. You do not have to use the clone species to play a clone soldier narratively you can be a clone okay but yep. you know i mean and, and, and a good gm should still allow you to do that all right maybe you're you got effectively basic training and then you got taken out or onto some more specialized uh training which uh negated your focus on learning knowledge warfare on learning resilience and getting that physical conditioning that you got that free physical training talent for now, what about non-humans? Is it possible for a non-human to be a clone soldier 
at least in terms of being a soldier in the in the GAR. Well, okay. If you wanted to, you could play another species and say that they went through clone training on Kamino. Um, I can even come up with some um, reasons as to how that would be, uh, how that would happen. Maybe the when the Senate finds out that the clone army had been there, maybe some senators from specific planets said, oh, well, I want my soldier, I want some of my soldiers to go through clone training and see that they are, see what kind of training that they're receiving. And before I sign off on, on this bill or something, you know. Uh, and that, that's how you could play an, an alien who goes through and has the clone soldier career. And it could be fun to play if you're going to play. But if you're going to play clone troopers, play a clone trooper. Have that visceral and ready-made relationship with the rest of your party and with every other trooper in the Grand Army. They're your brothers, your family. And you have an instant connection between you and every other PC or NPC you find in a phase one or phase two battle armor suit. Yes. And that's the kicker. And but I, I think from a GM standpoint, if you have a if you want to run a Clone Wars game and you want to have players that are part of a unit in the Grand Army, in the GAR, I mean, and you have a player that's just dead set, like I wanna be a you know, Twilight. Twilight. Ah, oh, okay. It's a Rodian. Ah, it's like okay, yeah. It's it's possible. There's ways around it. You can do it. But I mean, honestly, if you're gonna get your player buy-in to have this kind of game, go all in. I mean, why 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 not? And that can also make for some very interesting fun late in the campaign, especially if you're in the collapse of the Republic era, which we'll uh, we'll talk about. Um, so traditionally, though, um, let me throw another. Okay, let me throw another one at you. Sure. Okay. Um, one of the things I love about Star Wars is its level of inclusivity. Yes. Um, uh, you know, which is one reason, you know what? I don't want to be a human. I want to be an alien. Fantastic. I want to be a droid. Uh, harder sell, but okay. Sure. <laughs> um, what if I want to make a female character? Well, you got a couple choices. Okay. First, you could do the whole, you know... Maybe some senator from Chandrilla or Alderaan says, "I want to put some of uh, I want to put some people through training as well and see how it goes. I want to make sure that these troopers are being taught and and treated well and aren't just like basically organic machines. So maybe they send a few of their own representatives through. Maybe some of those representatives are female. But let's look at it this way: the Kaminoans are masterful geneticists, and the Bad Batch shows us that they occasionally tweak and play around." with the genetics of the Django Fett template. Yes. One Kaminoan could have tinkered with gender and produced a limited number of female clones based on the Django Fett template. But Phil, how is that any different than playing an alien clone trooper? Uh, I suppose it isn't. But I just feel like the Kaminoans were given Django Fett, a human as a contract to build clone troopers for the Republic based on his template. Now, in addition to being scientists, they're businessmen. They are. They have a contract to use that template, so they'll use it. Doesn't mean they're not going to play around with it. You know, you got some, some maybe, <laughs> maybe some intern. <laughs> some intern or some new hotshot from whatever academy the Kaminoans go to to study uh, genetic and cloning, and they're like, you know what? I want to do this special project, and they're to their team lead, just like, uh, 
uh, okay on your own time, but sure. Um, show me what you got. Do you know what I'd love to see? What's that? I would love to see uh, an alternate universe game uh, where the comedians were given another template, like some badass female warrior. Um, you know, could still be a could, could be a Mandalorian. I mean, maybe or Seren option. Ah, Sabine's mom. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then yes. that, and then, and then, if you bring Sabine and the Rebels, that introduces a whole new uh, 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 dynamic of awesome oh, NPCs. Ooh, it does. Ooh, that could be that uh, could be could be awesome. Also, I'd like to point out, um, when we talk about creating a female clone, if if this is a human template, Lord knows how alien genetic genetics work. If this is a human template, you don't even have to modify the genetics. No, you don't. All embryos develop female, unless they are exposed to a very specific androgen in utero, which the Y chromosome that a man has it makes you develop male features so interestingly it's it's not even complicated to develop no. a female clone it's not even an issue of genetic modification if you really want to get into the hard science of it then you just don't introduce that and hey uh there's nothing that's saying that in those millions of different clones with each individual own personality maybe some clone didn't doesn't identify as male Hyper-inclusivity. Hyper-inclusivity. <laughs> what, what, what do you identify as? A soldier. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, lots of options. Lots of options. So that's the first part, the species. Yes. The second half of your core build is your career. The clone soldier career. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, unless you want to be some kind of non-standard specialist, you're going to take the clone soldier career. Yeah. We're going to mention some details about each spec, but we're not going to really dive into too many of them. Uh, there's six different uh, yeah. specializations that you could choose. It's too much. And yeah. We're, you know, we're not doing it. Well, isn't that special? The clone soldier, you know, we'd be here until Monday. Um, <laughs> like next Monday. <laughs> uh, but Let's, what we are going to do is we're going to point out like of these six careers, kind of what their look and feel is and some highlights of the build. Yes. And um, just just at a very high level. And you've got some options here that really frame up your classic party roles when you get down to oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, we have my personal favorite because I love to play support characters, and that's, of course, the clone officer. Um, uh, if you want to play a face, it's like, I want you know, you want to play a face character, but you're going to be a clone? Yeah. It's called the officer. Um right. Uh, not only are you the face, but you're the the buffer. You want to buff your guys in the field. That's what it's that's what it's about. Um, key talent choices there. Uh, first among brothers, which I love uh, yep. thematically and mechanically. Um, yep. uh, you have tactical advance and its improved version. Coordinated assault, uh, prime positions, uh, field commander and improved version. Obviously, one of the best buffing talents out there for an honest to goodness a battlefield face. Um, uh, scrap them. And improve scrap them. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, that combo. It's truly, truly awful, uh, obviously, if you're fighting clankers. Um, no, well, not even that. I mean, it just it says, you know, it's obviously clone themed. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, droid themed. But it just is on a successful attack. You spend two strain to select allies up to your ranks in leadership who add boost dice against that target. Doesn't have to be a droid. I miss the that. Improved, the improved version is two boost dice. 
Oh, I missed that. How did I think it was just for droids? Oh, thank you for pointing that out. That's even worse. Because, uh, because probably because Clanker Killer. Yeah. It's, so it's so uh, it's so clutch, and also the name Scrap Them. You know, that's that's obviously a droid thing. But yeah, it's not just droids. It's not just droids. Wow, that's that's really really good to know. Um, and then of course the one of one of possibly the most interesting, maybe not the best, but the most interesting support talents that I've seen in the game so far um, <sighs> is is for the Republic, uh, which yeah. is is it's it's the fifth tier for the clone officer, and basically when an ally becomes incapacitated or killed. You can talk them into not dropping for a round. <laughs> is, is, is basically it. You make a daunting leadership check, and if you're successful, the ally is not is not defeated until the end of the next round. So you can keep them up just long enough, which, quite frankly, is time enough to get a stim pack in you or, uh, uh, you know, make that final crucial shot. I was about to say, or like throw that switch or, or lower that shield you know, and let in your brothers and, you know. Yeah, or if it's a total, like, like we're all going to die situation, you know, and you're in the air vent and the xenomorphs are coming to be able to flip that grenade. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You always wear an asshole, Garmin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of the officer, but that's because I love support class, support uh, specializations. Um okay. But there's others. There's other key ones that we find in Rise of the Separatists as well. Absolutely. Next one being the pilot. Uh, this is for your vehicle operator. And it's also a support class as well. Uh, and don't let the name pilot fool you. They don't have to be flying starfighters or laddie gunships. Word. Uh, this spec works very well for ground vehicles and walkers especially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get wonderful talents like fire support, high G training, uh, barrel roll, improved barrel roll, and supreme barrel roll. And I simply love what they've done with my house roll. <laughs> um, assault drop and mission critical. Yeah. Uh, the The clone pilot is a fantastic build. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I... I I loved barrel roll and I love improved and supreme barrel roll, especially it's like, okay, I'm going to shoot you, but I'm going to, if I'm being shot at and you generate despair or threat, I'm not only going to get out of the way, but your shot's actually going to hit one of your buddies. Yes. I just love that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really good. I mean, and I've seen, I've seen especially people talk about builds online where you can make a pilot, a clone pilot who doesn't ever pilot. Like right, like in 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 battlefield, just melee. I mean, ground combat. You can be an absolute pimp with these talents. Like, I mean, there's a lot you can do. Um, yes, indeed. I mean, it obviously helps if you're a a a clone, you know, in, in a vehicle. But it doesn't have to be. There's a lot that you can do outside of outside of vehicles. Yes, uh, a tremendous amount. And honestly, you know, I always. <sighs> I hate to say this, but one of the issues I always had with a lot of the ace style specs is not all of them, but some of them really have very little utility outside of a cockpit. I mean, there's gunner. The gunner spec is is solid if you're outside yeah. of it. It's like yeah. if you've got like a, a light a light repeating rifle, but yeah. but yeah, no, uh, a lot of those specs are you're you're very limited to what you can do outside of outside of a vehicle, especially if you're playing anything like the the hot shot types. You know, the pilot types. Yeah. Squad leader, yeah, you got a bunch of stuff you can do. Gunner, you got a bunch of stuff you can do. 
but for the most part, the others, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now this leads us into the last spec in uh, in Collapse, uh, which is uh, what you call it, the, the Generalist or Hoss spec um, of yep. the the actual clone trooper. Okay. Um, I mean, it is what it is. It's a combat class, and quite frankly, a bit of a tank. Um, oh yeah. These guys can take a beating. A huge beating. But they have a wonderful little talent that is actually almost OP, and that is suppressing fire. <laughs> yes. Um, which is uh, not you, but other characters, allies that are near you can <clears throat> spend advantage when they miss to inflict strain on the target regardless. Which might as well just be damage. It might as well just be damage, basically. Um it's so, great for for your buddy who rolls like no successes but six advantage. Yeah, take like, oh well. Guess what? I effectively hit him anyway for six damage. Yep. Just stand next to him and have this talent, and he's 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 golden. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um. Other than that, of course, you got clanker killer. Um. Deadly accuracy. Now, when you get into the tanking, obviously, armor master and improved armored master. Also, and in- enduring. And and enduring. That. God, that's plus. That is plus three to your soak as long as you're wearing heavy armor. Yes, um, or any armor. Any armor, uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 absolutely absolutely insane. Um, and then you have the, the the triple threat of brace. You got brace, improved brace, and supreme brace. Uh, it's good. This isn't the first time we've seen it. It's it's good to see brace finally get some more love. Um, That's one of the things I'm find, that I'm finding interesting about some of these later books. They're taking a lot of these uh, these core, decent filler talents that got introduced in earlier books and are making, like, improved and supreme versions of them. Yeah. Kind of dig that. I'm digging it, too. I'm digging it hard. And Bracey, we've talked about it on the show before. It's one of the situational things, but when it matters, it really freaking matters. Um, sure. And these two talents let it matter a lot. Um, and then, of yeah. course, we have their fifth-tier talent of lateral thinking, which is mm-hmm. another incredibly unique talent. Um, once per encounter, spend one destiny point to force an enemy to re-roll a successful check targeting the character. Does not require a destiny point if... <laughs> if it's a droid. If the enemy is a droid. Um, <laughs> which is... And, and, and again, in this, in this style of game, you will be fighting clankers frequently. Um, you know, it is it is once an encounter. Okay? Um, but, dude, it's it's... Reroll. Here you go. Reroll. Reroll. It doesn't have to apply to droids. I love that. Oh, it's a Sith Lord. Uh, just destiny point. Reroll. <laughs> after the fact. After the fact. Let's talk about that. Spend a destiny point after the fact. That's awesome. Just awesome. I doubt it does. But I wonder if forcing them to reroll would require them to reroll their force dice as well. I could see no because you're kind of rolling the force and then doing what you want to do with those points. So here's the deal. It has been clarified that you uh, on this podcast, actually, that when you're rolling a, a, a force power check, you're rolling the skill pool with the force dice. Yes. Okay. Now, this talent does not say an attack. This talent says a check targeting your character, which would most certainly include force powers. Um, and considering Phil, considering the fact that it's a fifth tier talent, are you honestly going to rob the player? That happens once in an encounter. Are you honestly going to rob the player of that? Yeah, I'd make him reroll the force die. Absolutely. 
So they might go from generating like four or five force points against you to generating like one or two. Potentially. And then they can't do what they were trying to do in the first place. Potentially. <laughs> um, so. That's just great talent for when someone targets you and like rolls like double, like tons of advantage or double triumphs. You're just like, no, no, re-roll that. <laughs> just re-roll that. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So, okay, what did Collapse introduce? Collapse introduced us to three more specs, very thematic with the late seasons of uh, of the Clone Wars. Uh, the first being personal personal yeah, favorite it's of mine. Gotta be the Arc Trooper. <laughs> um, they are damage dealers with a focus on range light. Interestingly enough, uh, the Arc Troopers gain a bunch of solid talents. Uh, they gain knockdown, point blank, guns blazing. Get the drop, tactical evasion, and rapid fire. Yeah, uh, all kinds of stuff to that are hinged around dual pistol wielding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that Rex had ranks and started as an officer, but I would most certainly say that he rolled an, into Arc Trooper, even if he never actually got like the title. There's just too many talent combos in Arc Trooper that scream Captain Rex. Yeah, yeah, um, I would completely agree. Um... And I don't know, the Arc Trooper is so, it's so iconic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many clones out, and there's so many clones out there who, who are based on pistols. Uh-huh. And you're just like, what? In a warfare, dual pistols? Like, hey, man, they make it work. They, they, and clearly, and this is, this is how you get there. And what I really like about this, too, it's, it's almost like a clone-style gunslinger when you really, when you really uh, compare, oh, totally compare the two specializations. But totally. Even got the flowing comma to replicate the the trench coat. Exactly. And as we're checking off those party roles, you know, we've gone through a a a support a great support class and face, right? We've gone through our 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 vehicle operator, our pilot. We've gone through our tank. And you said this at the very beginning, but I think this is a differentiator. When you dig into um not not so much skills, but actual talent choices specifically that are available to the clone trooper versus the arc trooper. It is very clear that the former is more of a tank, the latter is more of a cannon. And, yes, yes. And, and that distinction is very much there. But that also means that the two really do marry well together. Um, Absolutely. If you want to cross-specialize. And speaking of cross-specializing, um, <laughs> um, the... Uh, this per- second class. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, my, 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 uh, I, I, actually, I actually like this... So the, the, the clone commander, I actually like more than the officer. But that's just because it introduces some really interesting talents, and I love new things. But the point is that you can cross-spec between the two willy-nilly. They, they flow together beautifully. Um, the commander is also a heavy support class. Where it really differentiates itself is that it is much less of a face um, <clears throat> and more so of a mass combat battlefield controller. All right? Yes. Um, in terms of being able to you know, uh, do some more interesting things to maneuver troops around the battlefield and deal with uh, various situations. Um, you've got ingrained loyalty. Okay, fantastic. Clever commander. First among brothers again. Enduring presence. The kicker for me, though, is formation tactics and improved formation tactics. <laughs> um, uh, make a hard leadership check. If successful, choose a number of allies in short range equal to your successes. Upgrade the difficulty of attacks against these allies once until the end of your next turn. So it's instant defense buff, 
right there with formation. Improved formation tactics reduces your difficulty incredibly down to just a mere two purple. And mm-hmm. you can spend triumphs or six advantage. But... Oh. <laughs> yeah. did, did they even have to put that in there? I mean, listen, I've rolled six advantage. It's happened, but it's like, yeah. Anyway, when you do that, the effect doesn't last till the end of your next turn. It lasts till the end of the next, till the end of the encounter. Okay. So it's basically upgrading the difficulty of any check, any attack that targets your homies until the end of the encounter. It's, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, we have at any cost, uh, uh, where you can, um, uh, which is really critical injury, mass combat, dealing with that, um, outmaneuver, practice strategist, and of course, tactical planning. Um, there's just a ton of new talents in this spec. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Um, a whole bunch of stuff we haven't seen before. I kind of, and getting back to what you're talking about with improved formation tactics and the whole six advantage thing, Mm. I, I like the fact we're starting to see more talents that talk about like excessive amounts of advantage. Because it happens. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. God, it happens. Like every 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 other game, it seems I've got someone who just kind of stares at their dice and says, well, I got seven advantage, but it didn't succeed. You know, um, those rules happen. And I like the fact that we're starting to see stuff that not only uses those kinds of die rolls, but also sort of highlights like what at what point do advantages kind of mirror the same effect as a as a triumph like not that not that an advantage no, any number of advantage should never like do the scenario changing effect of a triumph in most cases but at least it gives gm some kind of idea i don't know like, I, okay. I, I might let i might let five or six advantage do it <laughs> sure 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 but statistically speaking that that's like rolling six advantage, that's the equivalent of rolling two dice and having them land on top of each other. That's like, that's <laughs> that's a lot. Um, I, I I think my my highest was nine. Nine God. advantage, no no successes, just nine advantage. You, know, you could have successes and get nine advantage. Wow, that's insane. Mm. It, was, it was it was high. It was damn high. Okay, so it was like. It was like a bunch, obviously a bunch of yellows, and it was like three or four yellows and greens, and they had like two boost dice on top of it or something like that. So they just all came up advantage. So what's what's our last spec? The last spec is for those clone troopers who have made it through the Clone Wars, the veteran. Um, the veteran is a close combat spec, interestingly yep. enough. Uh, they specialize on a lot of like brawling and melee attacks. Uh-huh. Uh, they get combat veteran, they get lethal blows, clanker killer, and improved clanker killer. Multiple opponents, known programming, and improved, and survivor's instinct. Um, these are the guys who just don't fall back. Yeah. Uh, and I love the the kind of the focus on dealing with multiple opponents, um, additional effects for crits. I mean, obviously lethal blows isn't going to come into effect too much when you're dealing with, like, battle droids and like b1s and b2s yeah because you create a battle droid they just break um but i don't know the 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 idea of getting up close and personal with a with a veteran clone soldier um is is not a fun one you know they'll they'll you tell that trooper trooper i need you to hold this position like right sir and they'll hold that position and anything that gets close they just wreck 
Let's also talk about the fact that the clone veteran position makes a really great uh, spec for your clone character concept, who is an advanced guard or forward guard or recon as well. They uh, their their access to survival is a huge deal. Okay, um, that yep. d- that does differentiate them a fair bit, um, and that's also heightened by things like outdoorsmen. Um, so when you're when you're having those 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 advanced forces, you know, this is also another great spec for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think of like the, the 44th, the, was it the 44th elite? Those guys who kind of look like, uh, scout troopers. Yeah. The camo. Those guys are perfect for clone, examples of clone veterans. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Forward, forward recon. That's them. Uh. So as we're talking through this, and I'm thinking about all the cross specialization benefits, and really the nice thing about the fact that you have these six specs in two books that all share the exact same career. Um, mm-hmm. you have a, a, a plethora of options for cross specialization. Um, but another thing that these two books did is they gave us the, the, re- the real reason we have a plethora is because they also gave us a crap ton of universal specs, they um, did. which obviously are, are wonderful for cross specking. That's what they're designed to do. Um, so are there any, are there any standouts or call outs, uh, in the two books that really work great for clone soldiers? I mean, easily half of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new Republic, the Republic Naval Officer is is solid. Uh, allows your clone trooper to get some uh, specialized or clone officer probably uh, to get some training in ship operations. And we definitely saw those. There were definitely clone soldiers who are serving in officer positions on capital ships. Um, the Scavenger makes an interesting choice if you want to play like a demolition expert yeah. or an equipment jockey or, an, or a fabricator. Yeah, you know, I envision this clone trooper who just get who gets the nickname of Wrench because he likes to like just in when it's downtime, he's just always fiddling with his rifles and like tricking on equipment and diving into uh, fully operational or or um, or uh, special modifications and 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 using those rules to like tweak their own equipment. Okay, so at least genetically, all these guys are Mandalorians. Yep. Um. Is there mechanically? I see some clear benefit for Death Watch Warrior. All right, sure. Um, Jetpack operations alone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, in fact, in fact we'll, we actually have a question on that. A listener question we'll come to later in the show. Oh, um, cool. Uh, but narratively, narratively, if you really want to stay canon here, how how reasonable is it for Mandalorians to be training clone soldiers? Well. If you're talking current canon, it's a little bit of a stretch. But if you're talking about some of the expanded universe stuff, um, they mentioned that there are there were other experts and specialists who came and did specialized training, including a few Mandalorians. So it's not too unreasonable to assume that other Mandalorians other than Django may have been hired to conduct special operations such as jetpack training. Mm. Uh, high high altitude commandos who use jetpacks to to drop in on targets. Okay. okay. Um, the one important thing to note about the Death Watch Warrior is it is a good spec for almost all core specializations, but the trooper doesn't get as many benefits because there are a lot of armor talents that get duplicated between the two, and yeah. you can't double up on those. Once you buy once, you don't need to buy it again. True, but keep in so, mind that. But raw, if in that exact scenario, when you come to that quote unquote duplicate in the in the in the tree, 
you just you get skip to, over. you skip over it. All right. So sure. sure. So it it just be aware that you know obviously if you want to like fill out the tree, you fill out the tree, and then is what it is. Uh, but so maybe that is a benefit. So if you do pick up jetpack operations as a trooper, you can just jump over those talents and move on to uh, you know find where it's where it's cheaper. Yeah. Pick it up then in that tree, and then you know save yourself some XP in the other tree. Okay. What else? Universal spec-wise. Uh, here's an interesting one. Separatist Commander. Yeah! You're going to have to sell me on this. So, I would say that this would be one that you would have to pick up after, like, a year or two of the Clone Wars has, has broke, progressed on. Um, and it's a clone officer or commander who has extensively studied the Separatist methods and tactics and intends on using them against them. Now, this could mean that the this commander might not be particularly liked by his brothers too much, because if you're trying to use separatist tactics against them, you're basically willing to sacrifice your clone brothers in the, in the course of it. So maybe this is just one of those clones just didn't get along well with his brothers and has no problems of being this like level of ruthless efficiency. There is a literal talent in this tree called Cruel Commander. Yes. All right. Where you use, uh, uh, you upgrade mass combat checks, with, not with leadership, but with coercion. All right. Yes. Um, I mean, this is, it's basically being a dick uh, <laughs> as a leader, the officer everyone loves to hate. Um, you know, uh, no, 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 no inspiration. No, no, no. Scathing tirade. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, it, I don't know, man. Thematically, no, I, I don't get it. I, I get it, know, but I, I can see it. I can see it. I feel it fits a lot better than Senator. True. And there are some talents, especially when you really get down into the tree. I could see it for a dip, for a, a short dip. But when you get down, there's a lot of stuff that deals with, like, communicate. Like, there's Speaks Binary. There's yeah, uh, yeah. Th there's there's a lot of stuff dealing with Droid, com there's Droid Commander. There's a few others that are going to have virtually no benefit to a clone soldier. Yeah. But for a short dip, I can see it. Dang it, dang it. Okay, so... That wouldn't be me if I didn't ask. Can clones be Force-sensitive? Ah, uh, the Force works in mysterious ways. I guess it depends on how you want to do it. Um, since they're clones of Django, and Lucas introduced us to the concept of the midichlorians, um, no clone should be Force-sensitive, but it's the Force. You're making millions of beings who say that maybe one or two of them don't have some kind of level of proficiency in some stretch. Um, in my Brothers in Arms campaign that I ran, someone was actually playing a clone of... God, I can't remember his name now. He's the, supposedly the Jedi Master who ordered the clone army. Oh, um, Sifo-Dyas. sifo thank you. Thank you. So he was playing a young clone of sifo You know? He looked a little bit like Django and his brothers, but he wasn't. You know, it was, it was an interesting character concept. Mm. Um, but that being said, you know, Force-sensitive outcast, Force-sensitive exile, Force-sensitive emergent. Um, if you want to go that way, and if the GM feels like it could be an interesting story, do it up. It's not. It it's not canon, but the Force yeah. un the Force Unleashed two did did lay out that the Kaminoans did clone some pretty. Intensive, force-sensitive people. Um, wow. 
uh, and uh, you know, I can just imagine that same aforementioned Camino and intern uh, that you know uh, is, is is doing <laughs> all the work the and again. going back to the intern. It's like you know, Lama Su, what have you done? You spilled midichlorians in my prenatal tank. Oh no, don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your chocolate in my peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> Um, it goes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's possible. It's possible. So, all right. What else? What else? Um, if you're willing to take the XP hit, um, if you are willing to take the XP hit and go outside of career and outside of universal spec, um, anything from Age of Rebellion. Anything. Anything. I mean, anything. just ma- match it up to what what matters for your. Uh, you know, your specific trope, if you're going face, you know, uh, oh, diplomat, oh, okay. If you know, if you're, but I mean, y- y- there's there's a lot of really good synergy there. Um, Force and Destiny, eh, just refer to the conversation we just had. Um, sure. It could be interesting. Not a tremendous amount of synergy from Edge. Um, Most of the things that you'd find syner- uh, a synergy with Edge are either very specific character choices, like that outlaw tech type, uh, type guy yeah. or specs that honestly get reproduced in age rebellion to, to a large degree. Yeah. Um, uh, the only, the only one that I don't think age has done proper justice to would be the, uh, one of the OGs Marauder. Um, if you really want to make a melee monster and you, yeah, and, and you've gone veteran to do so, if you've gone clone I mean, veteran to do so, commando's okay. It's okay. It's, it's not Marauder. <laughs> True. It's not Marauder. And if I'm gonna take that, if I'm gonna take that 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 cross career XP, it I'm gonna make it count. <laughs> Word. So uh, it's just me, but so there is how you roll up, build, and set yourself up to play a clone trooper. Well, well, let's look at it from the other side of the screen. Yes. What are some tips that a game master can utilize to? in preparation for a game where you've got either a couple of clones or where everybody's a clone. Oh, so, I mean, okay. It depends on the type of campaign you're running. And, and, and this is, this, this may, this may be a a choice that you've made. You could go like, guys, this is what we're running. In which case you really need to work hard to get buy-in from your players properly. Um, you know, it could be, you know, how the PCs want to do it. Um, there's a few different methodologies to doing this type of game. So first of all, there's standard. Okay, so, you know, this is just your basic party. The other PCs, they could be Jedi, scoundrels, diplomats, freelancers in the war. Um, and, and you know, the clone PCs are just clones on special assignment to the party. Okay, I've... Sounds standard. It, to, to, totally, there's no real changes you need to do to run this sort of game. So if you have a player that is like, I want to make a clone trooper really, really bad. It's like, I want to make a clone trooper. But the rest of the party is like, we don't want to be clone troopers. Um, this is how you could say, okay, yeah, make your, make your clone trooper. And then you come up with a reason that one or more of these clone PCs have been assigned to the generalized party. Um, yeah. or that the rest of the party has been assigned to them. Don't just, <laughs> j- don't just treat your clones like expendable, you know, genetically engineered fodder that they are, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> The GAR used freelancers. They had non-clone specialists and, and others that came along on the journey. Um, and in a military situation especially, they could find themselves reporting to a clone officer. Um, so consider that as well. 
So, what if it's non-standard, though? Well, Rise of the Separatists gave us this wonderful, wonderful mechanic. I'm kind of eager to try this out sometime. Uh, and that is to introduce the concept of troop play. So, everyone has two characters. A clone soldier and a non-clone. Mm-hmm. One is their primary and one is their secondary. Uh, PCs may end up playing clone troopers for specific episodes of the campaign. Uh, I really like this option because it allows PCs to have characters that fit that theme for this, whatever the theme for the session is. If it's going to be a stealth mission or a heist or a diplomatic affair, eh, clone troopers might not be appropriate. Uh, on the flip side, if the PCs need to assist in a separatist, uh, assist in an assault on a separatist command post, uh, diplomats, scholars, and scoundrels may be out of their depth compared to a heavy weapons trooper or a uh, or a walker pilot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm a fan of troop play because it lets you it lets you keep a campaign going while still scratching that itch that many players get about midway through a campaign, which is I'm tired of playing my character. <laughs> I want something new. I want something. Oh, oh, a new book came out. I want to try this out. I want to do this concept. Well, oh, now you can. Now you can. Um, so true play is an excellent suggestion, um, especially if you've got players like, yeah, I don't want to be a clone. It's like, well, can you make a clone character and we can do these? Yeah, okay. And then it becomes episodic. And then, of course, they're, the, they're the, much more open for that. Much more open for that. But then, of course, if they're fully open, you have the final option, which is we're actually running a clone campaign. Um, and it it's fun it's fun if you get your players totally into it it's fun right um you know the the majority of the, of the pcs are playing clone troopers for the entirety of the campaign i mean this is a war campaign not every session needs to be a battle but they're going to see combat in this type of of thematic approach probably more often than not sure um uh, some big, bold exceptions to this, though, if, if you don't want to have a full clone party, is obvious ones. Um, if you have a PC that wants to be a Jedi or a Force wielder, fantastic, because that's a part of the mythos here. Um, so you can have Jedi commanders or also Republic naval personnel, non-clone Republic naval personnel, um, oh. that can be inserted into such a, into a clone campaign very easily. Um, but in that style of game, yeah, the majority of the party is probably going to be clone troopers. Um and, and when you're running this, you need to expect that that trope carries with it, as, as I said, a, a heavy contingency on combat. And these guys are going to be going into combat missions frequently. Um, and and it, it's going to be the, the, the de facto choice um, as a GM. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. So that takes care of, like, what to build a campaign around. But mm-hmm. let's break it down even a little bit to get more, uh, kind of get, you know, the next tier in. Uh, which would be the sessions. Yes. Uh, for a campaign involving the clones, and this is probably more for like troop play and clone campaign sessions, but also for any group that includes clone troopers, um, tailor your sessions to the clone troopers' strengths, but poke at their weaknesses occasionally. You don't want to use this option, you don't want to use this too often. Um, such things should be challenging, like if the clones are going to be sent out to negotiate something, uh, negotiate a treaty with a local resistance group to start trying to uh, harass the separatists, or if they're having supply issues and they need to, and and no one else is available to to go to their the weapons local weapons dealer and and find out what's going on with the you know with their equipment shipments. 
Um, you want to have these be challenging, but not so frequent that the players are getting frustrated or they're second-guessing their builds. Yeah. Uh, now, on the flip side of this, though, a Collapse of the Republic advises that as the heroes have gained experience, they should be forced to leave their comfort zone. Do that. Follow that advice. But be sure to give the PCs an encounter or even a whole session afterwards that allows their abilities to shine and their focus to dominate. Absolutely. And and that that is advice that also carries into the next big thing that you need to consider for your sessions, which is combat. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're running a, a a a game where you have that clone campaign. Okay. Then these guys are troopers. But even if you're not, if it's just a, if it's just a uh, a a a Galactic Civil War focused game. Period. Um, it's going to be combat heavy. So give your PCs things to fight, and especially give them droids. <laughs> give them droids frequently um uh, droids, you know, droids 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 and when you're talking about uh especially as we've gone through some of the key talents that we've discussed very briefly um and talking about some of these specializations all these clanker killer talents man they're available in so many of these specs they're very plentiful make sure that those pcs get a chance to shine by really putting those talents and their sister talents that really focus on droid combat to use but and this is very timely because one of the one of the other questions we got in messages from the edge actually dealt with this. Um, don't forget to switch it up every once in a while and have them face living being. Not everyone in the separatist army is a droid. <laughs> um, whole planets broke away from the Republic. Okay, and and they have standing armies too. All right. Now, while it's true the bulk of the separatist forces were droids, switch it up. Mm -hmm. Switch it up. Um, um, another thing to consider, also don't forget about this, use and threaten your party with droid vehicles. Mm -hmm. People forget about droid vehicles. They were a standard part of the Separatist army and, and a severe challenge for troopers to outmaneuver and overcome. This also gives your pilots in the party a very strong chance to shine. Right on. So we'd be remiss in talking about the Clone Wars if it wasn't, if we didn't talk about the Jedi. Yeah. Now... Whether or not someone's playing a Jedi in the party or whether they're an NPC the PCs end up reporting to, the Jedi were the generals and commanders in the Galactic, in the Galactic Republic's army. Uh, even clone commanders reported to Jedi Knights placed in, in command. Uh, they may not be fighting with PCs all the time. They could be more strategic generals, leading from the safety of a command post or a flagship. Uh, now, as with any NPC, make the Jedi commander interesting. Mm -hmm. They can be an ally or a foil for the PCs. Look at Pong Krell, who, yeah, he felt that they ended up falling to the dark side, but he he sacrificed clones. He saw them as equipment, and he, he sent them out to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are there were those generals like that, uh, or you know maybe they're reckless, prone to actions that end up getting a lot of clones killed, but end up getting results. Or maybe they're by the book and they're reluctant to take risks in order to achieve victory. Anakin um, and Obi-Wan. <coughs> right? The former yeah, the former Obi-Wan did some daring stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but he Anakin Anakin did reckless stuff to the point that the troopers were lost fairly frequently. No argument. No and argument. Where, whereas Obi-Wan Obi-Wan was very much Yoda-esque. Although we did, we, we only got to see it from Yoda once or twice because he wasn't really in the field that often, at least, you know, in, in what's portrayed. But Obi-Wan 
was noted as being somebody who really treated his clones like people. Um, yep. And uh, uh, again, why Obi-Wan is the most awesomest Jedi ever. Yes, indeed. So, yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, another key thing, if you're going to play... Uh, so we, we've we, obviously we talked about kind of how to, structure, how to structure your sessions and how Jedi can play in them. There is we have to talk about this because it's important. There is also the rules to consider for mass combat. Mm. We have specializations we've gone through that have specific talents that relate to mass combat. But I guess the ultimate question, Phil, and I love the mass combat rules. They're incredible. Should you always use them? Always? No. Okay. Absolutely not. When should you never use them? Is probably a better question. Um, well, the obvious one is never. Don't use them if they're going to get in the way of the game. Yes. Um, use them when it's an interesting objective. Like, I you know, don't you don't need to give them to your PCs like early on. Let the PCs get some some experience under their belts. But talk to those who are focusing on leadership and knowledge warfare, and let them know that hint heavily that at some point they may be placed in charge of a field battle of a, of an actual invasion or, or or defense yeah um this is especially great for clone commanders um they 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 specialize in mass combat and but other pcs with leadership or knowledge warfare they can they can be they can be uh two ways they can either be really involved in it or it could be boring for them to sit around while the clone commander is playing chess. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. I mean, and and I, I know you feel the same way I do. And, you know, as, as GMs, we, we strive to have that balance where every player gets that moment to shine. OK, so if you if you have if you have a player with ranks and leadership and knowledge warfare, you can throw this in and they can have a good time. Just one. Don't overdo it. My, my, my personal recommendation um, is to have the clone commander if you have one. Um, command the battle from the field. Cody, right. baby. Cody, baby. Co- Cody, baby. Um, where, where you're really combining the best of both worlds there. Um, so you, you run an encounter at a point on the battlefield, and you have the Republic Commandos, uh, the Republic CNC, their, their command and control uh, center, contact the clone commando, and, and give them updates and await their orders, basically. It allows all the PCs to feel involved, um, and it gives that clone commander a chance to really flex their mass combat muscles. I mean, and it's one of those things that when you're when you're directing a mass combat at a large scale, when you are being shot at in the thick of things, that is incredible narrative. It's tense. It's awesome. It's incredible. And then at that I, point, you've got that clone commander who's playing chess in the heat of battle while the others are shooting clankers willy-nilly. Um, you're basically trying to keep that forward post or that command center from being overrun. That's an awesome encounter right there. I can just see it now where, like, the, whoever's playing the clone commander is like, you all need to cover me because I need to call in an airstrike on this position right now. Exactly. And I need to move my assets around for that to be able to happen. So <laughs> cover me or we're all going to die. <laughs> cover me while I make this phone call. I need to make a phone call. Uh, um, <laughs> airstrike, sir. Um, <laughs> so, Phil. Yes, sir. There's two other... I think crucial things to talk about with this. Yes, sir. From a GM standpoint. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start with something that a lot of people don't consider. And the system, many role-playing games try actively to, to avoid. Mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with a game that has this theme. 
and these types of characters and the amount of combat you're going to put them through. Let's talk about death. Let's talk sure. about, let's talk briefly about, cause br- briefly about, mm-hmm. uh, about character death. I mean, how, how much of a fixture should this be as a GM? How should you deal with it? Uh, well, yeah, it's war. It's war and people die in warfare. Um, death should be a fixture. Um, even in the Clone Wars cartoon, clone troopers were dying left and right. Um, Disney had him flash quick and then off the screen. And even Cartoon Network at the beginning, too. But it was really apparent that, especially as the years went on, this was less and less of a kid's show. Yeah. When the, when those themed sessions came around. Um, from an NPC perspective, uh, clone brothers are often going to be killed in the line of duty. Um, keeping them alive is a challenge and and a an interesting subplot and and consequence of actions. Um, death of favored NPC brothers could be a consequence of threat or despair. Um, it could be something that folks spend triumphs and advantages and even story points to get the chance to save. Uh, you know, save Corporal Corporal Wrench, or 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 uh, or or Boomer, or or whatnot. You know. Yeah. But that's the death of the NPCs. Um, it'd be still still be careful with PCs deaths, but have a discussion with them. I mean, we talked about this system. It's very hard to actually die in the narrative system. You almost have to to work at it. You do something that is obviously going to kill you. Yeah. Or you, or you happen to be in a ship that explodes. Or you've got a really awful GM who hits you with starship weaponry at personal scale. Sure, sure. That just that should just kill you. Know, I mean, logically, if something should kill you, you're dead. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's it, really what it is. Yeah. Surviving that should be the exception. But talk about it with your PCs. Have a discussion about it. Let them know that, hey... This is going to be a game on warfare, and there is a chance that your character could be killed in this, perhaps more so than any other system or any other type of campaign, mm-hmm. because it's it's thematic. Um, and I guess you know the the neo if if they do patent if they do die, maybe they you know as the book suggests maybe they just bring in another character. Well, there are a lot of clones. There are um, a lot of clones. There are there there are all a lot of clones. Uh, but I also do like this recommendation that even though there are a bunch of clones, if you die and you have one, one particular skill set, don't necessarily come in as with an NPC with that same skill set. Maybe overlap a little, but play something new. Have Look fun. Look at it that yeah. way. Play something new. Have fun with it. Now, speaking of death. Yes. I think it would behoove us to end this conversation by talking about the one thing that our live stream listeners have been screaming in chat in various forms or fashions for quite some time now. Um, I told an interesting story about it in our very last episode, as a matter of fact. You did. You did. And it, and it is, in fact, the title of this very podcast. It is, it is the title of this, the, the namesake of this podcast. We, we have to talk about Order 66. What does the execution of Order 66 mean in your game to your players, and how do you deal with it? 
very interesting discussion because <laughs> this is how my this is actually how my Clone Wars campaign ended in this exact way. Order sixty six was the penultimate episode. Um, should you leave it up to your players? If you leave it up to your players, you get interesting stories like Chris's from the last episode. <laughs> Which did not do what the GM wanted, but yeah. But it made sense. Yeah. It so made sense. Um, and but, but if you do leave it up to your players, and you really let them decide... Okay, so let's let's talk about... And we, we, we talked about this briefly last episode, Phil, but there is canon around the behavioral enforcement of following these directives in a clone. Yes. Okay. And we actually had some questions brought up about that because it's not mentioned mechanically in, in these books. Okay. Um, Uh, It's mentioned one place in a sidebar. Oh, oh, in a sidebar. Okay. Then I missed it. Yeah. Um, you keep talking. I'm going to try to find it. Well, the deeper questions of GM that you really need to come to, and, and this is going to be the preface we do as we talk through all these potential options, is right. you have to have a crystal clear understanding. And, and this is unfortunate because if you really, if you, unless you really trust, the only exception to this is if you really trust your play group and not only you, but you, but the players, and you know this, are 100% comfortable with whatever outcome is going to happen, all right? In which case, you can just say nothing and leave it up to them, okay? You, yep. you really need to do a bit of pre-work with your party, whether it's at the very beginning of the campaign or whether it's before that penultimate session saying, how do you guys wish to handle Order 66? And th- there needs to be a, at the very least, you need to have that conversation with the clones. And, you know... <clears throat> Do they find a way to fight back against the chip in their head when you when you really get down to it? Um, By the way, I found it. It's just a mention in the clone uh, species that talks about the inhibitor chip and that it was there to um, uh, modifying aggressive feelings and manipulate the clone's emotion regarding obedience and loyalty to the Republic. There you go. And how a medical scan would just detect it as an enlarged gland or something. Yes. Uh, it doesn't actually talk about like it being the the chip that kind of brainwashed them to participate in Order 66. Correct. So, so Phil, if I have a group of players that are clones and do not want to follow Order 66, as a GM, what justifications, canon-wise and story-wise, can I give them to make that choice reasonable within the guidelines of the story and Star Wars canon? Uh, they get exposed to some odd radiation that m- affects that inhibitor chip. Remember what happened six sessions ago? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There, there's, um, there's an excellent another one. Another thing is, is we see it in Rebels. Rex has a scar in his head. Yeah. Because he finds out, and uh, Gregor found out, and Wolf found out. Who's to say that word started spreading? That yeah. word got around that, hey, there's this chip and it makes you do crazy things in your head. You need to get it removed. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's there. Um, I would also like to point out that, and this is kind of interesting. There is a entire class of weaponry in this game and in Star Wars that is devoted to doing one thing. And what's ironic is that weaponry would never typically ever be used against a clone. And that is ion weaponry. Yep. Now, Phil, what does ion weaponry do to technology? <laughs> uh, it shorts it and shorts it. Pretty much. 
Um, so much so that this game even outlines what happens to cybernetic enhancements when you're hit with ions. So, honestly, a, a sharp ion blast to the head or a focus beam could easily disable this chip, fry it out. Even though it's biological. Even it's though it's biological. It, it is tech. All right. Yep. Um, it is it is tech. And it's not fully biological. It's if I remember if I remember correctly, it's it's like it's cybernetic. If I'm not mistaken. But you can correct me on that. Uh, it's biological in its composition. Oh, okay. Then I guess my ion suggestion probably wouldn't the work. The chip then. suffers no vulnerability to the EMP and has a ah. low chance of rejection by the clone's immune system. See, there you go. No, if it, it says if it's not going to suffer EMP, ion won't affect it either. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, scratch that. But crazy radiation. Oh, oh, oh! If it's biological in nature. Oh my God! Remember that a virus? Weird, remember that weird virus you guys caught when you were down? Yeah. Okay. The point is, a little bit of creativity, a little bit of retroactive behavior, you can give your PCs the out, okay, if they truly need it, and they still want to stay true to canon. What do you do in those situations where, like, look, if, if you have if you have all your PCs that are totally like, nope, we're executing Order 66, okay, well, things go from there. How do you handle inter-party conflict? What do you do if you have clones that are willing to follow Order 66 and those that are not. And obviously, in the scenarios that we talked about where you have party compositions where you have just flat-out non-clones in the party, they're obviously going to be most likely against Order 66. How do we handle that inter-party conflict? How do you make it to where the game doesn't dissolve? Well, uh, first of all, <laughs> the, the Collapse of the Republic actually deals with that very thing, mm-hmm. page yes, 130. Yes, um, it does. But... Like you, like you kind of prefaced, this could be the penultimate episode. And the final episode, the next session, what comes next is just the PCs resolving it. Um, the chip in, 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 breeds loyalty. And even though it's going to breed loyalty, there's something to be said about conscience. And maybe they do participate in Order 66, but maybe they come to realize what they've done. And maybe the campaign evolves from one of being clones, fighting soldiers, fighting against it, the, the, the separatists and the, the evil of the separatist army. And then to preventing the, the coup of the Jedi Order over the, over the, the Emperor now. To one of <clears throat> they realize what they've done. They realize that hey, this new empire is not what I was bred for, and I made a mistake following Order sixty six. So I've got a lot to atone for. So maybe they the campaign shifts to one of trying to redeem themselves and help out whatever Jedi they can find. And um, and those I, are Je- and those are Jedi that are going to run from you every chance they get when they see you. So that sounds like an excitingly fun campaign to me could be yeah could be yeah ultimately for me if you decide to do this order 66 is 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 possibly the single greatest turning point that you will ever have in your campaign and the number one thing that must be planned for either way regardless of how you do it um and where or which way your, your players go transparency with your players up front if possible um, and respectfulness of their decision is, is really where it's going to, where it's going to lay out. And this isn't just between the players and the GM. This is also advice for players who are listening to this. Um, 
you know, we we all get sometimes we get to role play a little too heavy. We forget that it's just a fun make believe game where we're rolling dice. It's a game. It, it's it's just a game. Um, but we all tend to get a little committed to our characters, and you need to have the realism to not flip out uh, when you have a character that makes a decision that you don't agree with um, because they're playing their character. Yeah. Um, so, again, open, honest, and transparent communication can get it done. And if you've got a good group and a good party and a good jam, this can be incredibly memorable. So, living that fake history. <laughs> right? Dude. Well, this has been a very interesting discussion on clones. Um, I'm very eager to get into some Willis and that specials on some of these specs, because I think there's some real gems there. And I oh, re- I can't wait for the one where we build up our own clone commanders. I know! Uh, I really, I really want to dive into some of these talents as well, uh, to a much stronger degree. Uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty good, but... Um, anyway, Gamer Nation, I hope this conversation has enlightened you a little bit uh, now that we have these two books in our hands and people are already out there running clone games and, and wanting to run clone games. Hopefully this puts a little bit of a, a, a laser focus on things you should think about and some best practices, not just from a player side, but also from a GM. So yep. greatly appreciate it. Um, and if you guys have any suggestions uh, for show topics, of course, let us know. How do you, How can you let us know? We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but interestingly, we have to go somewhere now, Phil. Yes? Somewhere we have not been in a long time. Wadus. No. There is a great disturbance in the force. I got a bad feeling about this. You must unlearn what you have learned. When good games go bad. Happily, yet sadly, we take time to return to our occasional show segment devoted to game masters and gamers that need help. Game moments that went awry, and moments of confusion and regret that fester around the dice. At WGGB, we aim to give the best advice we can for those situations hairier than a Wookiee's derriere. Tonight's request for aid comes in via Facebook from GM Dragoon, who is having some player issues. What does he say? Oh, he says the following. Um, I had an interesting conversation with him about this. We did. Um, he says, I have a question I hope you guys can help me with. Um, <clears throat> I'm running an AOR game that is starting to flow into the other systems. Awesome. I've been listening to your podcast. I recently started at the beginning, back when Beta was young, and that was what you were covering. Um, I have one player that just can't get out of the D20 mindset and honestly seems to be nothing but combative. Most recently, I've ran my favorite combat so far. Every other player loved it. It felt cinematic to them. Even the one who ended up with a crippled leg was into it. (laughs) The problematic player has expressed issues with having to take strain to use opposite force points and flipping a destiny point. That minions die if they're crit. 
that he needed to pick a side for the force, that movement is abstract, that sometimes just because he's chasing someone doesn't mean they're prevented from getting away, no matter how much he insists on continuing the chase. Any tips? Man, sounds like you've got a deeper problem than just tips to make to make here. Uh, there are numerous issues the players have just did you go away but uh but let's talk about it yeah i mean it sounds like this it guy certainly just sounds like he just doesn't like the system i mean yeah yeah and you know what that's okay i mean uh, phil, phil you and i spent an entire episode a while ago talking about a lot of this um oh, it, yeah. it, was, it was episode 24 kung pao chicken yep um so honestly uh dragoon you may want to give that a re-listen yeah um I mean, but bottom line, um, as much as I love this system and as much as I haven't played anything else since 2012, the system just isn't for everybody. It's a narrative experience, not an adversarial one. Um, it's less, it, it's more tactical than, than a lot of narrative systems out there. I'm, I'm looking at you, Fate, but it's still very narrative. It's still not total crunch when it comes to combat. Or effectiveness. Yeah. Um, now we 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 had, we had a bit, bit of a back and forth with him about this um, via <laughs> via via IM, and we we gave him some we gave him some advice. We we had him kind of re-listen to to episode twenty three or twenty four some of those tips and stuff. And he he basically said he went and talked to the player. Um, you know he he and he, he outlined you yeah, look this is how the system is supposed to work. He still doesn't like it. Um. And he's still showing up to games, and he's still playing, and he's still bitching nonstop. It honestly feels like it's starting to come to the point where it's starting to affect the enjoyment of the other players. Yes. And if they're not, if he's not having fun, if he is actively complaining, and it's starting to affect the other players, it's time for that person to go. It is time for you to sit down and say, hey, man. I, I love you as a friend. I still want to hang out with you. I still want to do stuff with you, but this game is not for you, it seems. And it's starting to affect the other players. I'm going to ask that you that you bow out. Yeah. And we'll we'll pick it up next time. You know, run run something you like. Talk to one of their friends and have them set up a game that this guy and you can get in and play. And, you know, it's D&D 5e or what Pathfinder... Or whatever, whatever this person likes, have them go find that game. But it's starting to affect your other players. It's starting to affect your enjoyment of the game. And if something isn't fun, you got to stop doing it. We've said this before. It's an axiom. It's very old in our hobby, and it's very true. No gaming is better than bad gaming. Yes. Okay. Um, that that's that's just it. Um, better not play at all than to play a game you hate. Uh, there, there's, there's just no point. So, right. you know, if we, if we dig into the specific issues that you know the player had, what, what it seems like he really has a problem with. Well, one, I don't think he actually understands Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it is a ridiculously cinematic system where things happen all the time. There is light and dark. Yes, you got to pick a side. Uh, the dark side has penalties for using it. Um, you don't get to be a big Billy badass with the force right away. It takes a long time to get there. 
Um, but I don't even get that part. The whole you have to pick a side. You don't. You really don't. Just play in the middle. Just play in the middle. You you absolutely can. But I think he's probably he's probably referring to Paragon and and uh, and 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 Dark Side. But yes, I, I guess. Um, my my big thing though is some of the comments that that Dragoon made had me very concerned when he talks about especially NPCs getting away. Um, you know that he can't catch them. It's like. It sounds like what you have a player, what you have here is a player that is interested in a tactical gaming experience, and they're interested in, quote unquote, beating the story or beating the GM. They're not interested in being a part of a narrative or a part of a story where it's like, oh, he got away. All right. Why? I mean, the GM shouldn't have to tell the player because it's the story. Okay. Because he's interesting and he's got a plot point to play later on. The GM shouldn't have to say that. Um. I mean, and and honestly, uh, I, I don't even know if there's there's other role playing games that really are going to even satisfy that. If, if if that's the kind of problem you have, I think I think as a player, you've got a fundamental issue with storytelling in a narrative period and, and understanding what exactly this hobby is. If you're just wanting to have a, a tactical game with the grid and minis, there are hundreds, thousands of incredible games that will let you go do that. Yeah, and the rules are defined, and there's rulers and laser pointers and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go play those. Go, you know, there, there it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, I wish I had something more constructive to give, but I, I felt this was a pretty powerful story um, to share and go over. And uh, honestly, Dragoon, I, I would encourage you to again give episode twenty four a re-listen in full. Uh, Phil and I talk about a lot of tips and tricks there to help convert players, um, hit that reset button appropriately. But even then, Phil, years ago when we did this, you and I both said, sometimes you just have to say goodbye. This system is just not for everybody. Yes, um, indeed. Uh, I, I don't know the player, and I'm just hearing this from one side of things, but I, 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 I fear that no system is going to be good enough for this guy. um but that's that i don't know any other thoughts on your end no i think that's pretty much it you know all right if if you still enjoy hanging out with him hang out with him but play keyforge yeah Yeah, play keyforge play keyforge (laughs) play keyforge (laughs) i i don't know if i told uh i mentioned this on the on the forge last episode my my daughter uh, came home from school telling me that all the kids at school were playing this card game she wants to play, and I was like, I was like, I was like, really? What is it? Keyforge? I'm like, you're kidding me! This is awesome! That's yeah, awesome. baby, I'll play Keyforge with you. Oh, that's good. awesome! It's good stuff. Okay, well, shall we get on to some messages from the Edge? Let's do it. Let's do it. He doesn't seem to take a hint. This guy. I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message. Messages from the Edge Boy, am I glad to hear your voice. I think it would be wise if you took advantage of my knowledge in this instance. Welcome to Messages from the Edge, our regular show segment where we take the time to answer your game and rules questions about this system. How can you get us these questions, you might ask? Well, the easiest way is to travel and post it up on the Order 66 Podcast Facebook page or on our Discord server. You can also email your questions to us at gmchris or gmphil at d20radio.com. And finally, if you're brave enough, 
You can leave the question via voicemail on the D20 Radio hotline at 262-D20-RADIO. That's 262-320-7234. And amazingly, amazingly, not as if I curated these or anything. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, we have we have two t- questions we're going to cover tonight uh, that are extremely topical, uh, considering our discussion this episode. Indeed, uh, our first question tonight comes in via email from Jacob Bestler, who asks the following: "Hello, Order sixty six. My group has started a new Clone Wars game and are loving it, but I and some pl- but me and some players have a few issues with the GM and the way the game is being run." Because it's Clone Wars, we all took talents expecting to fight armies of droids. So my clone trooper has Clanker Killer, as do others, and we invested a lot of in not invested in a lot of ion weaponry, including getting more duty uh, more as duty rewards. The problem is we never fight droids, ever. We do maybe two encounters in a session, and I think the GM has given us droids to fight like twice in the last eight encounters. We fight beasts, even a Rancor once, underworld thugs, Gin Oceans. Anything but droids, it seems. I feel like my talents and cool weapons are just going to waste. I don't want to be that guy, but other players are feeling the same. What can we do about this? The GM says he's in charge of the story and he'll give us a chance to shine, but the players don't see this happening anytime soon. Help me, Order 66. You're my only hope. Well, we actually touched on this in the show notes, uh, very specifically, talking about GMs and... uh, how often you need to throw droids at your players versus non-droids at your players. Yeah. Um, so, one thing I would like to tell you. Uh, please if, encourage your GM to to listen to this episode. Next, well, ha- instruct your GM to go and watch pretty much every single episode of either the movies or the TV show that involved Geonosians and find me one where there wasn't a single droid. <laughs> the Geonosian, the planet Geonosis had the foundries. Remember that whole scene where C-3PO lost his head and was replaced with a, uh, with a B-1 battle droid's head? Actually, I, and, I, I, and, blo- I blocked that out of my memory, but go ahead. Oh, okay, I understand. <clears throat> I understand. But, but the, the arena fight, even though there were thousands of Geonosians there fighting the, uh, fighting the Jedi, there were still... Horde upon horde of battle droids. Dude, it takes nothing to include one group of four or six battle droids in a minion groups in an encounter. You want to use Geonosians? Fine. You want to use thugs? Great. Beasts? Cool. It's the Clone Wars, dude. The Clone Wars were about the Grand Army of the Republic fighting against droids. Your PCs have a ton of talents and investments, character choices, in fighting droids. Yes, hit them in unexpected ways, hit them in off methods every once in a while. But you gotta give them the droid fights, man. You you have to. The Geonosians weren't the bulk of the combat. The clones weren't sent against thugs or beasts. At least if they were there because it was a consequence of some droid factory or outpost on some desolate primordial world. Yeah. You gotta give them the droids, dude. <clears throat> That's why they're playing Clone Wars. Uh, and we have obviously only the information we were given in this email. Sure. But I, I feel I feel we may have a situation where the... I, 
I feel like the GM might be running a different game than what was sold to the players or what the players asked for or made for made their characters for. Sure. That that that, that it kind of it kind of it kind of stinks to me of that. Uh, it's one of those things the GM may have had a story in mind and a full campaign with you know uh, plot points laid out and 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 set pieces laid out. And the whole group is like, oh, these new, these new books came out. We all want to play clones. <laughs> this is going to be great. This is going to be great. The GM went like, um, okay. And he's trying to, maybe, maybe trying, trying to be a good GM. He's like, yeah, well, yeah, I can, I can. And in his head, like, I can make this work. You know, I've done all this work. I, I've, I've made an entire campaign. But, you know, that's fine. They can just do it as clones. All right. And, and I'll, I'll transition this and make it a part of the war and, and this and that. But maybe what he just forgot to transition was the fact that, those thugs need to be droids, man. <laughs> yep. They need to be droids. Um, so, honestly, uh, I think I think Phil's correct. Uh, you need to, Jacob, you need to have your GM listen to this episode. Um, and even fast forward to us answering this question. Um, because, honestly, I, I, I mean, if your GM's trying to give you a good story, just make sure you're giving your players that moment to shine. And it needs to be regularly, in the case of clones, much less so than in other campaigns. They need to fight roids regularly. So all you can do is be honest, open, and ask. And if he's still not interested, maybe he's not interested in the clone game. <laughs> Which is really unfortunate, but that could be it. So. All right, Filbert. Yes, our, our next question comes in from Mandalore the Flatulent. Seriously? Seriously. Um, it comes in from Mandalore the Flatulent and is uh, about a unique talent found in Collapse of the Republic. Uh, he says the following. Uh, hey, guys, I really want you to talk about this when you cover Collapse of the Republic. I love the episode on Rise of the Separatists or whenever you can. I want to know about the jetpack expertise talent in Collapse for the Death Watch Warrior specialization. This talent is nuts and seems way OP. Does it really work like it reads? Also, what are your thoughts on making a clone talent for starships? Um, so he wants to clone this off for starships. Um... <laughs> I, mm. So for those following along in their storybooks at home, this talent in question is part of the Death Watch Universal Spec, which is on page 28 of Collapse of the Republic. The actual talent itself, Jetpack Expertise, is on page 41. Um, and as... I think the reason why it's not OP is because it only applies to jetpacks. Exactly! So, according to the talent, as an incidental, you may spend advantage from checks you make to remove one system strain from a jetpack you are equipped with. They may choose this effect multiple times when spending advantage. So as you build up system strain, you can get rid of it. And let's talk Seems. about let, but let's talk about the reason why as well. And, sure. and th this this talent fixes a problem. All right? It does. That that problem is that in in this system when it comes to Vehicles, small vehicles, which a jetpack is classified as, it basically turns you into a vehicle. Um, you can't take uh, more than one pilot-only maneuver in a round. If you do so, then you and, and you can't take it at all if it's over silhouette four. But if it's under silhouette four, you can. But you suffer two system strain. Um, yep. that, that's a problem with a jetpack because in canon we see people with jetpacks whipping around willy-nilly, 
And so, you're, wait, so you're telling me that I I, I, I got to suffer, my, my jetpack's going to suffer two system strain just because I move twice and around? Because it is a personal scale vehicle, okay, um, it, it creates a lot of conflict. This talent was created to solve that problem um, by allowing you to spend excess advantage to recover system strain for your jetpack. So, you know... Jetpacks are expensive. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta get this talent even then, and take this universal spec, which you can't start in. So it means it's going to cost you twenty XP just to move into the tree. Okay. Yep. Um, and then what? How many XP to, then to get to the talent? Uh. Uh. Yeah, yeah, okay. A minimum, a minimum of twenty-five XP to get the talent. Okay. Yeah. On, on top, on top of that. All right. So 45 XP to buy this talent. Pretty much. And a minimum. 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 When you consider that, and the fact that it solves a problem inherent in jetpack use, I don't consider it OP. And nope. I don't see it as overpowered at all. Um, now, Phil, do you want to talk about the wisdom of cloning this talent for Starship Combat? <laughs> <laughs> or, the, or the lack thereof? Okay. Um, let's start with Barrel Roll. <laughs> So the 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 benefit of barrel roll as I designed it and as FFG adapted it was to allow someone to survive in space combat a little bit longer. Um you can spend strain and have your vehicle negate incoming damage like deflect or parry would. Um this allows smaller vehicles that don't have a lot of hull trauma or system strain. To, it doesn't have a lot of hull trauma to survive a couple more hits. But the limiting factor is you're still spending system strain. And unless you're willing to spend your action to start repairing some of that strain while you're flying your ship, um, it has a finite limit. Uh, being able to recover vehicle strain like you could your strain, um, that's broken. That's broken. <laughs> Um, yeah. all of, uh, the system strain of a vehicle kind of represents its its, its inherent um, the inherent taxation of its awesome systems on the frame. There are a lot of vehicles out there that that are are incredible vehicles, but they only have like seven or nine system strain because their systems are being overtaxed by all those shields and all those guns and those big engines trying to move such a heavy ship. Um, I don't think the talent should be converted to be able to be used in any vehicle. Um, also, that means that you can, you know, like deionize your vehicle a lot easier. Um, you know, it, it removes the threat of ionization weaponry. Um, I just, I just don't think it could be, I don't think it should be done. Um, all the, if, all if the reasons, you like a, all the reasons you've listed. Ex yes. Explain why it would be OP to do that. Yes, yes. But the right. only thing I would say is if you really, really had your heart set on doing it, make it a once per encounter thing. Once per encounter, you may spend th uh, advantage to recover system strain. Once per encounter. And I would have it cost a destiny point. Yeah, you could do that too. Mm -hmm. You could do that too. I'd even I'd even let you go beyond once an encounter, but it's gonna cost you a destiny point. 
that could that could be uh, I I'd make that like a tier four or tier five talent. Yep. But I could see that. Yep. Yeah, I, I could see as a tier four or tier five talent. Yeah. Actually, no, no, tier five. Tier five. Yeah. Tier five. Yeah. Spend a destiny point as an incidental to spend excess advantage to heal recover system strain on a ship of silhouette four or smaller. I, I would be very. You're not spending that destiny point on the attack roll. Exactly. So. Interesting question. Well, I hope uh, Mandalore the Flatulent that has given you some insight into our thoughts on the matter. Oh, but my gosh. If you guys have questions you want to get to us, get them to us. As we said, shoot us an email, post it up on the Discord server or the Facebook page. We would love to hear it. But now is the time where we come to the end of this particular podcast. Indeed. Um, guys, we want you to become a member of the Gamer Nation if you're not already. Visit us at www.d20radio.com. We have incredible articles going up there every single day. Um, some of the best content that's out there on the interwebs. Um, give us a call. Leave us a liner. Tell us why you never listen to the Order 66 podcast. 262-D20Radio. And, of course, find us on social media. Like the Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and join the D20 Radio Facebook group. A lot of great discussion going on. Next episode, Phil, we have an interesting topic planned. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna get really creamy, as opposed to crunchy. But maybe 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 a little crunchy. We'll mm. we'll we'll talk about it. Do we want to want to tease what we're gonna be talking about in our next episode? I think the next episode's gonna be a little dark. A little dark. It's gonna be a little dark. A little bit. A little bit. Deals with deals with something we spoke about this this episode, but in a much more focused discussion yes yes and uh i am i am greatly looking forward to that uh something that matters for every player and every game master out there so in every game in every game so ah that's gonna be a fun discussion and i can't wait (laughs) but thank you all for tuning in uh we really do appreciate it uh and uh this is gm chris wishing you peace love and good gaming and this is gm phil may the dice be with you You've been listening to the Order 66 podcast brought to you by Ethan Kinsey, GM Scott, Jeremy Bensley, Bert Ingley, Joshua Taylor, and William File. This podcast and related websites are not affiliated with Fantasy Flight Games, 20th Century Fox, Walt Disney Corporation, or Lucasfilm Limited, and its content is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. All original content is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast and Gamer Nation LFC. Yeah.